You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, Amen. In suffering be thy love my peace. In weakness be thy love my power. And when the storms of life will cease, O Jesus, in that final hour, be thou my rod and staff and guide and draw me safely to thy side. I had planned, dear saints, to change the hymns uh, in light of the events of uh, this weekend, but they fit perfectly, perhaps because these Paul Gerhard hymns, if I remember right, were, were written while Paul himself was a pastor during the plague in Germany and was during the height of that plague conducting himself ten funerals a day. He knew what it was like to rely on Jesus in the storms, in the trouble, in the afflictions, in the midst of death and dying. He knew that. And so he puts this, these words in the mouth of the church. In suffering be thy love, my peace. Dear saints, the task before us this morning is the worship of God. That is, that we would receive from God His gifts. That is what worship is. According to the Gospel, we worship by looking to Jesus with faith, by hearing and believing His promises and His words. We cry out to Him in time of trouble. And we trust that He hears our prayers and that He answers them. Call on Me on the day of trouble and I will hear you and I will deliver you. We studied something like that on Wednesday night at our confession study in the conference room. We're looking at the apology where Melanchthon was writing about the obedience that the law requires. And he says that the law requires not just an external obedience, but much more. This. The Ten Commandments also require other things that are placed far above reason. The true fear of God. To truly love God. To truly call upon God. To truly be convinced that God hears us. And to expect God... And to expect God's aid in death and in all afflictions. The last, the most important part is this next sentence, so it's okay if you missed that part. Finally, it, that is the law, requires obedience to God in death and all afflictions. So that we do not run from these or refuse them when God lays them upon us. Now, this last part is the tough part. To receive from God's hand death. And to receive from God's hands afflictions. To cry out with Job, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We might as well just take out the middle part. Hey, Job, let's amend it a little. The Lord gives. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> That's how we would have it. But Job here in this confession is a true Christian. And his faith is on display. 
the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, how is that? How is it that the Lord's name is blessed when He takes away? How is it that the Lord's name is blessed when there is a movie theater filled with corpses? How is it that the Lord's name is blessed when we walk through this life filled with sorrow, filled with loss, filled with senseless violence and rage and hate and pain and tears and confusion and chaos? How is it that the Lord's name is blessed? I think that when we see these things happen, we always want God to do something about it. God, if you're so big and good, why don't you stop the nonsense? We want God to act, and we want Him to act according to His strength, according to His power. After all, if we had that kind of strength and that kind of power, that's what we would do. But listen, the Lord's solution to all of the troubles of this world, all of them, is not, at least not yet, to exercise His strength. Jesus does not come to this world with guns blazing against the wicked. He does not bear the sword at all. Jesus comes, and He comes into the midst of our death, and in the midst of our sorrow, and in the midst of our sin, and rather than destroying all of these things, He meets us in them. Jesus, in fact, comes in weakness. Jesus comes in shame. Jesus comes in lowliness, in humility. He comes with a cross, with the slaps on the face of a Jew, with a, from a Jewish guard, or with the whip of a Roman soldier, with three nails driven through his body. The Lord's solution to our problem, to all our problems, is not to take them away, but to sink himself into them. The Lord's solution to our sin is not to wipe it out, but to have it piled onto Him. The Lord's solution to our death is not to obliterate death, but to take upon death Himself, to breathe His last breath, to be deposited into a tomb. The way that Jesus comes to fix our problems is not the way that we expect Him to. It's not the way that we would do things. If we had all of that power, we would use it. But this is why Jesus is the Christ and not you. He is the Christ and you are His Christian. Jesus does all things well. And His cross. And His resurrection. These are the best. Which means for us, dear saints, that as we continue to walk through this veil of tears, our hope, in fact, our only hope and our only comfort is the cross of Jesus. The only answer to all of our questions is the death of Jesus. How many of our neighbors, do you think, are asking questions this week like this? 
Does God love me? What do you think? Maybe you're asking the question yourself. And I suspect that many of our neighbors might have simply concluded that God hates them, or worse, that God doesn't care, or that there is no God at all. If you look around you, if you look at the things that are happening, this is the great temptation to determine what God thinks about you by how things are going. If things are good, then God must be smiling, and if things are bad, then God must be frowning. He must be mad. There is a name for this doctrine that we made up <laughs> called look aroundism. That you learn about God by looking around, by seeing how things are. But this is a false doctrine. It's very tempting in times of trouble and in times of disaster and in times of turmoil like this week to become a look aroundist. But it is a false doctrine. If you want to know what God thinks about you, dear friend, then there is only one place to look, and that is not around you. It is to the cross of Jesus. For it is there, on the cross, that you see the only begotten Son of God writhing under the pain of your sin, suffering the punishment that you deserve, dying for you, and there on the cross, you know without question that God loves you. And that nothing can separate, from, can separate you from this love. No violence. No devil. No bullet. No madman. Not sickness. Not pain. Not death. Nothing in all of this creation can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus your Lord. This love of God for you is so certain and so sure that even if all of the earth would be destroyed, this love would stand unshaken and you would stand with it, with Him. We read in Hebrews. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Not on the things around you. Not on the worries of tomorrow. Not on the troubles of yesterday. On Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And there you know God's love. Now, to Mary Magdalene. Who knew this? Mary had, Luke tells us, Luke chapter 8, seven demons and was rescued from the demons by Jesus. She followed Jesus and supported Jesus with her wealth. She was there looking on when Jesus was crucified. She watched as the men took Jesus off the cross 
and laid him in the tomb. Mary was there on the first Easter, on that dawn, with the other women. But seeing the open tomb, she turned immediately away and ran and found Peter and John and returned to the tomb with them. And even after they left, she lingered there at the empty tomb, weeping, talking to the angels. And seeing a man she takes as the gardener, she asks him where the body of Jesus is. But this is no gardener. It's Jesus. It's Mary then, who is the very first person to see with their mortal eyes Jesus risen from the dead. That's our gospel text. And I have to confess to you that's really quite nice to have this little bit of Easter in the midst of these dark days. She turned around, John 20, and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And that word is enough. That voice of Jesus is the voice that sent the seven demons fleeing from her. That's the voice that forgave her her sins. It's the voice that she heard crying out in agony when, it was, when he was dying on the cross. And it's the voice now full of life and peace, Mary. And she throws herself at Jesus' feet. But Jesus gives her words of comfort. Don't cling to me. Mary, you'll always have me. I'll ascend to the Father. And therefore, I will be with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. You will never live one minute of your life without me because I've died for you and I have destroyed your death. I've died for you, Mary, and I've forgiven you all your sins. I've died for you, Mary, and made a way for you through death to life, to eternal life, and to the resurrection. And Mary now is a picture of our comfort, a picture of our true worship, a picture of what it means to receive from Jesus good things even in the midst of afflictions, to receive from the Lord even death. For Jesus has died for you, for you, and risen for you, and ascended for you. And He's promised to be with you always, even in affliction, and even in death. This we know for sure. This love and mercy of God we know for sure. These presents, the presence of God and His promises, His kindness and His smile, we know for sure. And so we can say with Job, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord, for He has died for me risen for me and forgiven me. This is our worship. For this is our God. All praise be to Jesus, who is with us now and always. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 9.15, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 10.45 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.